Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. I hope you're hanging in there. This is Gavin, the host of the Voices of Santa Clara podcast, and it's actually the last episode where I will be the host of the podcast, and we're starting the transition. I graduated a week and a half ago, and now I'm moving forward, and the show is going to continue with three fantastic new hosts who you will meet next week. But for now, as a sort of farewell to to this podcast, I am going to be interviewed by President uh, Kevin O'Brien of Santa Clara. This was Father O'Brien's first year as president of Santa Clara, and I felt really fortunate to get to know him well throughout the year. In this conversation, he asks me about my upbringing, about how I chose Santa Clara. I got asked some tougher questions like a big mistake that I've made, and he asked me some of the same questions I like to ask guests at the end of every show. So thank you for being a listener. Stay tuned for next week and enjoy the conversation. It was about a year and a half ago that I had the privilege of, of interviewing the incoming president, Father Kevin O'Brien, and about a year and a half later, my time at Santa Clara has come to an end. He's going to be sticking around, but we today get to do this this final interview where we're gonna we're gonna flip the the stage a little bit, and um, I'm gonna get asked some some questions. I might I might turn a few questions around on him as well, but. I'm excited to, to do this conversation, and thanks for being here, Father O'Brien. Uh, it's great to be here, Gavin, for your last show to uh, to interview you, because you know your uh, listeners have heard your voice for um, now a long time. How many episodes? About 92, 93. Right. So that's a lot yeah. of that's a lot of time, right? Yeah. Um, but do they really know you? What do they know about you? So I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, let's have a conversation about Gavin. Sounds good. Let's so do tell, it. So <laughs> Gavin, tell us, tell us uh, like, so where'd you grow up? What was it like? Yeah, I was I was born in San Francisco, and we my family lived there till I was four. Then we moved to Davis, California, which is just about hour and a half or two hours away from here, from Santa Clara, and that's where I I went to school, where I I grew up. Uh, I, pl- I played a lot of baseball. That was a, a major theme of my life from age four until. 16 or so. I was both very interested in in playing baseball for a while. I, I peaked around the last year of Little League actually. Uh led the league and <laughs> led the league in home runs and it was oh. all all downhill after that. And what was uh, what was your position? I mostly played first base, yeah. Okay. But but really my main advantage was my height, which I was I was ah. much much taller than everyone else until really throughout high school and then people started to catch up. Okay. But yeah, it was always was just always the tall. And who were your favorite baseball players? Yeah, growing up, it was first, um, so always the San Francisco Giants. Uh, first, Barry Bonds, who set the home run record when I was younger. And then in my teenage years, uh, Buster Posey, Madison Bumgarner, Tim Lincecum, a little before that. And the, the three years, 2010, 12, and 14, when the Giants won the World Series was was huge. That was crazy and exciting. And um, especially special for my my dad and grandpa who'd been following the Giants for many years. Yeah, so to get from Davis to the Giants Stadium, you would just drive by Oakland. Mm. So you would just drive right by the A's. Uh, so no no uh, no attachment to the Oakland A's. No attachment. Been to one game, but a, a Giants fan through okay. and through. I can tell. I, I remember going to my first Giants game, oh gosh, about 10 years when I was taking a course 
at the Jesuit School of Theology as a younger Jesuit. And, and uh, I don't have much recollection of the game. I remember being very cold. It was in the old stadium. Mm-hmm. I guess it was Candlestick Park. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe it was 15 years ago. And uh, um, I just remember the garlic fries. Mm. Yeah, That's well, why I love the Giants. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, the new, and the new park has beautiful views of the bay as well. Yeah. And it, it's a really cool environment to be at a, a baseball game. So tell me, what was high school Gavin like? If we were to meet Gavin in high school, what would we know about you? Yeah, I think, you know, the first Besides baseball, the first two years of high school and the the last two years were, were pretty different. So one one important thing is that the whole time I was going to this high school called Da Vinci, which was a much smaller school than the main Davis Senior High School and was more uh, project based. So fewer, fewer tests, fewer essays, more presentations and N- named after Leonardo. Correct. Oh, yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that gave me a lot of opportunities to be creative and work in teams and uh, practice leadership, and I really enjoyed that all all throughout high school. In the first, in the first two years of, of high school, I was more involved in in baseball and basketball and in playing sports. But I was also tr- transitioning from um, the the junior high campus where I was at through ninth grade to this high school campus where I was more separate from a lot of the the friends I had. I had been close with for uh, at least five years, so that that transition at the beginning of of tenth grade was uh, was pretty tough and kind of coincided with a really terrible baseball season. And yeah, it was it definitely took a while for me to feel like I had I had friends I was close with and I I had activities that I enjoyed. But right around the middle of high school, one one thing that caused the the shift was um, in the summer between sophomore and junior years. I I did this uh, project through a website called Open IDEO um, and submitted an idea around uh, the, the challenge was around youth unemployment. And I submitted an idea around having professionals come into high school classrooms to host challenges uh, like work based real world challenges related to their careers as a means of career education and a, a project for the, the students. And that that project, which led to um, I got to go to this this conference in New York. And I think and there was where I first saw that that business could be used to make a social impact. And I think that really excited me, maybe similar similar skills um, with the, the project based learning school that I was attending um, and a lot of my interests, I started getting really interested in in reading books initially, uh, things by like Malcolm Gladwell or books on um, on creativity, business, entrepreneurship, biographies. Um, so I think the the high school Gavin of, of the second two years was definitely getting more curious about things, about listening to podcasts, about doing you know side projects and internships, thinking about entrepreneurship, and that that led me to knowing that I would want to study business of some sort in college. So why um, why Santa Clara? You know, so my my dad and his father as well both went to to Stanford and it was one day in the spring when we toured both both Stanford and, and Santa Clara. Um, Stanford didn't really put much effort or uh, attention into their their tour process and Santa Clara on the other hand very much so did. Um, I never I never knew much about Santa Clara, didn't know about 
Jesuit schools, uh, d- didn't know about any of that. But one, one thing that immediately stuck out um, in comparing Santa Clara to a lot of the UCs I was applying to was just uh, having more options within the business program. Um, and when I when I came onto campus, I mean, obviously campus is, is beautiful and uh, the students all really cared. I decided it would it would be a great place to at least apply. I, I love California. It's kind of a good enough distance from from home. And then, um, yeah, f- uh, financial aid was a reason as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how was that? Uh, yeah. How, first year in college is always a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. Even if you're traveling just a few hours from home, it's a big adjustment in your life. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you remember? What was most significant about your first year here? Yeah, I think, I mean, one, one significant event was just that, uh, I, I know from, you know, meeting people and talking to people that a lot of times the first, the first few months of college are, are really tough and it can be tough to find a, a social group. But one, one thing that worked out super well was that within the first few weeks, I, I met a lot of friends through this, uh, Christian group that I joined. And although the, affiliation with the group kind of changed throughout college like a lot of those people I'm still really close with to this this day so I yeah I was super grateful for that um m- my first year was was big as well in terms of just just kind of like getting my footing and starting to to look around I uh, I knew from high school that I was interested in in social entrepreneurship and so one one significant uh, time was definitely um, I, I applied for this this job at the Miller Center. Uh, one of my close friends also applied. She got the job, um, but a couple weeks later, I, I talked to a few other people from uh, the Miller Center and got 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 a job working on their videos, and and that ended up being a great gateway into an awesome network of people and informed a lot of my later college experience. Um, yeah, those those were a few things, but it's it's difficult to remember my first year because it was so long ago. Of all, if I'm being honest, uh, Good. my freshman year was in 1984. So you mm. can imagine how, or yeah, 1984. You can imagine how hard that is. Mm. Um, do you still remember anything? From- I do. I, I you know I I uh, I people. I remember there's certain touch tones like uh, socially and academically. Certainly, some classes I still remember. Mm. I think I remember my theology class particularly uh, people I met. I remember the first person I met, the first friend I made, which I'm still friends with today. Um, yeah, it's, I think with perspective, it'll be interesting as you get older, your perspective changes. And mm-hmm. well, I guess we're all tempted to nostalgia, but also mm. time can also help you be more honest too, mm. <laughs> because we become more self-aware and confident. Um Definitely. I know with the Miller Center, you uh, you became engaged and you you did one of the the, the summer programs at the Miller Center, right? Mm-hmm. So you were a global uh, social benefit global fellow. social benefit <laughs> fellow. So tell us about that. Yeah, definitely. I think the the start of the story is maybe that I I was able to study abroad at the beginning of my junior year in Bologna, Italy, um, and that was the first time I had been overseas and really experienced just different like obviously Europe is shares a lot of similarities with the US but still seeing older things seeing you know in Bologna this university's been around for almost a thousand years and that that sense of perspective of being a part of something that's been been going on for a long time and and just seeing a lot of natural beauty and in, in cities as well that was that was cool and definitely opened my mind a, a little bit but then I think after coming back and 
Um, I applied for the, the that fellowship through Miller Center and took the class in the spring. Um, so there were a lot of awesome components to that experience, one of which was definitely just the, the group of about 18 people and a few uh, professors as well. But although we were in different places in the world and different project teams during the summer, we really bonded as a group, both in the course before and after that summer program. I grew a lot from the experience of, of being in India, working with a, a social enterprise called Three Wheels United um, that provides loans to auto rickshaw drivers. But yeah, it was an incredible experience to get to see different parts of India and different cultures within India. I think we often kind of lump India into just one thing, but there's, um, yeah, there's almost like a fifth of the world's people there, right? So it, there's a ton of uh, diversity within India and a lot of a lot of juxtaposition too. Like there's a lot of inequality in, in the U.S., but um, even built into the the cities, right? There's very stark divides between you know skyscrapers and slums, and it was very beautiful to be in a place with a much deeper sense of, of history as well than um, it, yeah than than we have here. And so I, I definitely grew a lot from that experience. Hmm. When you uh, when you think about your time here as you graduate, were, were, was there a class or two that hmm. were most impactful for you? Yeah, there's there's a couple. One that comes to mind immediately, partially because this was more recent, was the conscientious capitalism class I took in, in the winter, which involved a lot of uh, personal reflection and thinking back on what events have shaped my life, what values I want to carry forward. A few others that come to mind, though. One is this uh, physics class I took. And for a quick minute, sophomore year, I thought I wanted to be a physics minor or something like that. And, and this was like physics for engineers, too. I, I really didn't belong there. I didn't get a very good grade. But I think it was cool to just like challenge myself to, to try something new, cool to like force my mind to think in a new way. And I'll always remember that that class and that professor, Dr. Keston, as well, um, who just brought a lot of energy and joy into the into the classroom. And then the GSBF classes as well because of the group, because we were working so directly on a project that was both going to you know, help us grow, but also make a tangible impact for an enterprise that that adds like an additional level of uh, of credibility to what you're learning. Right. When it's like you, you better learn this because in a month you'll be in a different country needing to apply the work you're doing right now. Right. So, yeah. What, what was, what's been your most significant investment outside of class? Obviously we think co-curricularly, right? That there's a complement between what happens inside the classroom and out, right? So like mm-hmm. the global social benefit, going to India, tying it to the class is great. Right. Um, there might be other connections you made with classes and stuff that you've done on campus. But when you think about your commitments off campus, what's been the most formational that has had the mm-hmm. most impact in, in your in your development, yeah, you know, I think um, obviously, like in terms of like cultures and personal growth, probably uh, GSBF. But I think the podcast has made a big difference as well, especially because I started it sophomore year, and I think a lot of those conversations encouraged me to uh, to think bigger about both like the world where I could where I could travel, what I could learn, what I could explore, um, and also just, yeah, I felt really grateful to be able to learn from so many different people outside of my major, outside of, yeah, outside of any one narrow area of, of campus. So that's that's played a big role as well in, in helping me to 
to get better at interviewing you, and asking questions. Why did you yeah. start it? Yeah, I had loved listening to podcasts for a few years and felt like I, I knew there were so many cool people on, on campus, but I felt like they were often kind of hiding in their own little offices and their, you know, teaching classes in their departments. And that's that's great. You know, that's a lot of just how a university works. But I really wanted to to learn from everyone. Right. And I, I felt like many people could could benefit from yeah, from professors and, and staff that don't normally have access to a broad range of students, right? So I was hoping I could share those stories. Um, additionally, I think professors often in the classroom kind of got to stick to the curriculum a certain amount and might not share as much of their their life journey or their the the research that they're most passionate about, right? So I wanted to get those stories and information out so that the broader campus community could learn from those and, and grow from those and kind of think about uh, students could think about how they wanted to engage with their time at, at Santa Clara and how the Santa Clara values can be lived out in all different fields and careers. Yeah, it's a way of building community too, right? Isn't it? Connections and community using a media or a medium that, you know, is particularly suitable for this generation. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Is there a mistake you made that you're now glad you made because of what you learned from it? Hmm. Yeah, that's a, g- a good question. I think what what comes to mind isn't like one specific mistake, but kind of like a, a pattern. So one time in, in India, um, when I was working with my project partner, there was just a small disagreement we had over hotels and like in which neighborhood to get a, a hotel. And like, I thought my way was, was right. And she thought her way was, was right. And I didn't really I didn't really listen and just kind of thought like, well, I have this information, therefore I'm right. And I was wrong. We we needed a hotel in a different area. And that was, you know, that was one small event. But I think I, I noticed a pattern. And, and even after uh, returning from India through, you know, conversations with friends, through the conscientious capitalism class, that I think maybe as I was growing in throughout college, becoming more confident, being willing to take more risks. I think I had a pattern of falling into like overconfidence or thinking that I, I knew the right way and and that I was better than others. And so I think re- realizing that definitely made me want to to grow and change and, and embrace more of the the mindset I try to bring into podcasts, right? Where it's it's fun to just to just ask mm-hmm. questions and and be curious. Um, but yeah, that's definitely something I'm still still thinking about and, and working on. And I think this this moment in the in the pandemic, in the midst of all the the racial justice movement that's starting is a great opportunity to continue to to practice that and to think about who I want to become in the world and how I want to live out values of, of compassion and humility. And yes, still be confident about being proactive and making change in the world, right? But also balance that with li- listening to others and actively seeking out uh, people who know more than me and being willing to be wrong. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, part of it is is listening, right? And there's a certain humility that comes just with listening, which is uh, um, Simone Simone Vale, who's a great philosopher. She said, uh, it, I think it was, attention is the greatest form of generosity or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right? So attention is the greatest form of generosity. So that that attentiveness is is a mode of generosity, but it's also a mode of, of humility and learning. Mm. Where that that sort of mutuality can take place. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. And, you, you know, you're in a cool position to do that at the university, too. Right. And I think 
a lot of people have been appreciative of just how much you've listened to, to yeah. students and yeah, to I appreciate others. that. Yeah, it's hard because I mean, there's a lot to learn, um, and there's also a sense of urgency where sometimes I have to I have to remind myself slow down and listen so as you don't make a bad decision mm-hmm. um, uh, so because you, the more input you get the better but there has to come a point where you sort of also have to decide uh, but mm. listening is critical you know you're you're a humble guy what would you know but let, I'll let you brag about yourself what is what is one thing you're a trait that you have that you're particularly proud of David Brooks talks about the dif- difference between resume virtues which you know since some of it we've talked about now what mm-hmm. you've done and where would you go to high school and and then eulogy virtues. So those virtues at the end of your life that they'll talk about, you know, at your funeral. Mm-hmm. And, and and they won't, most people don't, rem- hopefully they'll know you went to Santa Clara, but they may not know the list of great achievements you made, mm-hmm. you accomplished here or after. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Maya Angelou said that, paraphrasing, you know, at the end of your life, people are not going to remember what you did or said, they'll remember how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. So it sort of goes to the sense of a eulogy virtue. So it, what are your eulogy virtues right now that people will look back and say to Gavin, oh yeah, he, what? Yeah, I. that's a, 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 a big question. I think among among my my friends, I definitely think uh love is is a big one right and i think i'm still still have a long way to grow there and especially even more to grow in terms of like loving the world and what does that mean and thinking through that especially in like a career sense but yeah but love in terms of of presence um and and one big one big virtue related to that that comes to mind is curiosity because i think that's the the gateway into into understanding, into action, uh, into relationships as well. And that, that if I want to be curious about other people's experiences, right. And that's been part of the joy of, of the podcast, right. Is to, to learn and grow in that sense. But I think when you're curious about someone's, someone's life, someone's story, that's like the, the, the podcast skill set is similar to, to building a, a relationship, right. Of like genuinely, genuinely caring about, what someone else is going through, getting excited about what someone else is passionate about. And then, yeah, thinking through how does this relate to my own life experience? How can I, how can I grow? How can we collaborate? Uh, what can we do with this, this belonging, this community? How can we, how can we serve others? But I think it has to start with that, that intrinsic motivation to be, be curious and ask questions. And, and that involves, discomfort too. Mm. So that's definitely, I think a way I can, I hope to practice more and more un- uncomfortable curiosity as mm. well. Right. But yeah, that's, that's definitely what I hope. I often say that at Jesuit education, we know Jesuit education works when, when not only is the mind expanded, right. That through the questions or inquiry in class and outside of class, but that, that we learn um, how our heart breaks, mm. or better, how our heart breaks open, which is that stance of compassion or love, or or but it's an act of compassion, right? That I mm-hmm. want to, I want to be a person for others. I want to, I want to, I want to do something because my heart has been broken. I, I've been a, mm-hmm. a, a, affected deep down. But again, it's a broke. It's not just broken for the sake of pain, mm-hmm. but it's really about broken up or broken out. Um, um, for something else, right? Mm, so, yeah. has your heart been broken here during your four years? Yeah, I I definitely think it has, and probably especially within 
the past uh, 12 months, I think more, more than ever. And even within the past several months, several weeks. Right. But I think that, that there was a lot of, of challenging experiences in, in India uh, as well. Like a lot of, a lot of beauty and beautiful humans as well, but it's also, it's, it's difficult to see, um, to see poverty and think about, and, and just the, like the way I was, I was viewed as like a white person was kind of like mm-hmm. sad and uh, angering as well, right? That this that it's so like ingrained into many people that they're like inferior to Western Americans, right? So that was that was challenging to to deal with, and I think, yeah, in the even just in the past couple months and weeks with the the pandemic and the uh, police killings and the protests, like I think my heart is being broken open and I want that to continue. I want to to grow to become more compassionate and walking with people uh, who are suffering. And I think especially given that, you know, I'll be be working in consulting in a, a corporation, right? And so th- th- thinking through what does it look like to kind of marry social justice and sustainability and compassion in the business world. Like is that is that possible? Can we create um, can we create companies that that do that. But I think the first, yeah, I think the first step, like you're saying, definitely is, is a heart thing and yeah, grappling with, you know, graduating at at this time and, um, and just so many, like so many Americans lives have been, have been Mm. changed, displaced jobs lost. Like there's a lot of very real, very real suffering. And I don't, I don't know what to do with a lot of it. Right. Um, yeah, I don't think a lot of people, uh, cause it's so real and so immediate and so just visceral now that it's okay. I, I think it's okay. I, I don't know what to do with it sometimes except to feel it all. Right. And to, and to think through it. And so, you know, it's, it's blending that thinking and feeling, which is so helpful. Our thought refines, if we were just emotional, it, it may not be very effective. But the, our thinking sort of refines our our affect, our feeling. It, it makes sure that any response that we will make out of that that opening up of the heart will be effective and helpful mm. and other directed in a sense. Right. Um, you know, uh, I, I like to think of Jesuit education about depth. Right. I've used this image with with you before. I think Nicholas Carr in his book um, The Shallows, how the internet has changed our brains. It's probably a decade or more older now. He wrote, paraphrasing again in, the, in his intro, I used to scuba dive in a sea of words, now I only jet ski. Mm. And I think that there's a sense where Jesuit education is about scuba diving, mm. about a depth of thinking, a depth of feeling, a depth of loving, a depth of serving. So depth, 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 depth. Mm. That's why going back to resumes, that's why I always say, like, don't, you don't need to pack the resume at mm. Santa Clara. Just go deep mm. in a relationship and in, in, a, in a, you know, a club or a commitment you have in a, in a discipline or, or a major. Um, it's about depth. But I think we all feel the pull of superficiality. Right. Because it's so tempting. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And it's so easy to just be in a in a safe bubble. Right. Like especially in the in the pandemic uh, mm-hmm. when when there's there's supposed to be this like separation. Right. But I a couple of weeks ago, I wrote an article about homelessness for the newspaper as one of the final pieces there. And I I drove over to uh, to Guadalupe River Park. Right. And my goal was was to talk to some some people I saw there. But I, I felt so 
so wrong, so out of place, like a like an intruder in in a way. Like I didn't belong, and was just really like heartbroken, and just just couldn't. Uh, and I, you know, just like being at home for a few months, like hadn't been out and about as much, right? And w- I think when we're not like confronted with that type of suffering, it's easy to ignore it. Yeah. Well, I think there's, you know, it's like in the Catholic tradition with monks and nuns, they say, well, you know, they, you know, monks, unlike Jesuits are very active in the world, but monks may be off in a monastery and separate from the world. And people say, well, are they, well, they're separating themselves from the world. They're disconnected. And actually the experience of the monastic life is actually, they feel more connected Hmm. because they give themselves space or solitude to go deep, hmm. where they can actually think deeply and feel deeply, where they actually might feel more connected to the world than I might, hmm. because I'm so busy doing you know many important things. I think, so I think that for me that I, I've been looking at these last few months as embracing a solitude which doesn't necessarily come easily for hmm. me um, hmm. all the time, but. There's a great invitation to depth there. Mm. So uh, let's look to the future during our last uh, few moments. Uh, so ten, at your 10-year reunion, mm-hmm. so reunions are great. Um, October, you know, thousands of people come back, mm-hmm. you know, under tents, under the beautiful stars. And um, where will, in 10 years, Gavin will be... Yeah, ten years. I'll be I'll be thirty two. I guess uh, probably, hopefully married. Hopefully not quite kids yet. I don't know. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. I can see myself still living in a city. I mean, I, I love I love California. I'll hopefully get out for a few years. But it's, this does feel like like home. And yeah, I, I mean, I can see myself working. Um, in a lot of different jobs, it's tough given, you know, like how much I've changed in the last four years to try to project out 10 years. Right. Um, and even, even 20, but I think one thing I hope is, you know, I'm sure I, I'm sure I can find jobs that I feel are, are meaningful and of service to others, but I hope also to, uh, yeah, to have like a story to tell at the reunion, to have, have been like, I I did this adventure, right? Maybe it involves maybe it involved traveling or storytelling or something like that. But maybe maybe I took a year or two off and uh, pursued like a more a more personal project that I felt would be meaningful to. Are you still consulting? Uh, no, no. I think I a couple years in, I transitioned into a company working on a more specific specific problem. I think it it would be cool to around that age to be working in something more entrepreneurial, like a smaller team, because I think that's that it's both more more risky. But I do hope to be taking more risks in that sense, right? Of like this this could fail, but if if it works, it will have a large impact on many people's lives and could change an unjust system in, in some way. So that's, that's definitely a hope. We'll see if it's, we'll see if it's 32 or, or maybe that's the 20 year. It could be the 20. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, wow. What do you, uh, as you leave Santa Clara, uh, we all carry regrets, you know, no, no human life mm-hmm. is perfect. No time is perfect. We do our best. Uh, but gratitude is, is probably the most important for me, the most important spiritual disposition. Mm-hmm. Because I think it, gratitude gives us perspective. It creates space for other people, for God to operate in our lives. Um, a, a, an Indian Jesuit, Anthony DeMello, said, it is impossible to be grateful and unhappy. Hmm. So what are you grateful for as you leave Santa Clara? Hmm. Yeah, really, 
really all of it, but I can be more specific than that. Definitely, uh, de- definitely the friendships I've I've built, which I'm optimistic will last for many years. Definitely the the professors and classes and and mentors that have uh, encouraged me to yeah to to think bigger, just supported me in in growing. Even like the the physical campus, right? Being able to to walk around and like have this place that I can call call home has been been really meaningful. I mean, I'm thankful to the to the Miller Center for their their programs. Just mostly, just thankful that you know I didn't I didn't know much about kind of the the Santa Clara values coming in or the what the Jesuits were all about. And I'm thankful to have have learned about that and to have been able to reflect on what's important to me and who I want to be in the world moving forward because it's worked out pretty well. I'm like Santa Clara has been awesome and I'm still still a little sad. This is the last week, but uh, (laughs) here we are. And I know your faith is important to you and you sort of, you know, uh, in class and outside of class, you've grown in your faith, you struggle with your faith. If you have a faith question right now, what's your faith question that you're working on right now? Which is good. I think questions are a sign of life. So hmm. questions are not a threat to faith. They're actually, I think, helpful because, hmm. um, you know, theology is faith seeking understanding. It's faith. That's questions. So what is uh, what's a question you're grappling with now with your faith? Yeah, maybe something around what is the link between like personal, individual, spiritual practices, right? Like maybe prayer, journaling, meditation, uh, thinking about yourself reflecting and and action and social justice action because i think different different faith traditions like emphasize those to different amounts right and i yeah just curious like to what degree does being a person of faith look like um i mean probably the answer is both right but to what degree does does it look like you know towards working for changing the world right here and now and to, to what degree is it kind of like a a surrender and a presence and a being in the moment, gotcha. so savoring mm-hmm. and saving. Great. Yeah. Good. We'll see. You got, you got 10 years. I'll, I'll, ask, <laughs> okay. you what, I'll ask you at your 10 year uh, college reunion, okay, whether, we'll, how you answered that we'll question. See. Uh, so my last two questions are how you end each podcast. Uh, what's your perfect Saturday? Yeah. Uh, I think I'll wake up around 8 a.m. I'll have have a great a great breakfast. Definitely some eggs, maybe some some pancakes or waffles as you well. Sort of thought about Saturday. this before, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I think definitely a hike, getting out in in nature. Uh, one one thing I've loved throughout college is just like cooking dinner with friends. Um, that's been a lot of fun. I, I personally love love cooking, and then maybe watching a movie, which is something I haven't done enough in the past four years and now that I'll have some time after graduation want to do do more of but yeah just quality time with with family and and friends um, nothing too crazy and if you had a message for every uh, person in the country I guess mm. what would your message be yeah uh, listen to podcasts no <laughs> uh, yeah I think right now the pandemic and the racial justice movement has has brought a lot of like problems that were currently existing to the forefront, it's accelerated certain changes, exposed people um, who maybe could could hide before to just like the whole variety of of human experience. And I think it, it would just be that like now is the time we can change things, right? I hope that for my my graduating class and for for anyone in the world that like 
the relationships around you that have just continued on because of inertia, the, the, the company that you work in that has done things a certain way, um, and just your, your sphere of influence, like just because things have been done one way doesn't mean they have to continue that way in this time when there's a lot of, I think, energy around change that we can, we can make that change toward a more just, humane and sustainable world. And you can start with yourself and your relationships. Great. Good. Well, Gavin, it was great to talk to you. And on behalf of Santa Clara, I want to thank you for everything you've contributed to our life here through the podcast. I think you've helped us get to know Santa Clara better, which means you've helped us get to know the people here. And that's that's what makes this a special place. So thanks for uh, thanks for this great legacy you've left. And I understand the podcast will continue. It will. I'm excited. With new hosts. <laughs> uh, but you've done a really good thing the last uh, three years or so. So thank you, Gavin. I wish you all blessings in the, in the future. Yeah. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. And I've appreciated your leadership and getting to know you personally. So great. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and now on Spotify so that you don't miss an episode. Check out the website at VoicesOfSantaClara.com for some shortened transcripts. And you can like the Facebook page and follow on Twitter. I'll see you next time.